0: Water is fundamental to human development, from drinking water and sanitation to agriculture and more. You listen to Water Stories, a podcast series where you will learn everything about securing water, energy and food security for all of us. Water is a resource without borders, and it flows across political boundaries and circulates through the atmosphere, lands, and oceans as a part of the hydrologic cycle. Freshwater resources are under increasing pressure right now from growing demand in sectors such as agriculture and energy. That is why water management is a very challenging task, and if we add to this the sociopolitical changes and climate change and global warming, it is even more challenging. However, the Stockholm Environment Institute's Water Beyond Boundaries initiative helped us to identify the crucial interdependencies, require the address teleconnection as a part of the effort to implement integrated water resources management at all levels. And today, with our guests, we will discuss a very interesting concept that is teleconnections from a water perspective. And for this episode, once again, my co-host is Vishal Meta. Vishal is an environmental scientist with more than 15 years of experience in water resources research, forest conservation, and sustainable development. He's based in Davis, California. Hi, Vishal, how are you? I'm very good, JC. How are you? Doing well. Very interesting topic today about the water beyond boundaries and what is the water teleconnections, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I'm very happy that we have with us Claudia Colioni from our sister office in Bogota, Colombia. So welcome, Claudia.
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with both of you here. Thank you for having me.
0: Claudia, how are you?
2: Oh, good. Excited to get us started on the topic.
0: A very interesting topic. To get into the context, you know, and probably Vishal will support us as well with this with this uh, interesting conversation that we will have. To get into the context of teleconnections and water management, I would like to start by saying that adoption of only a single local narrative about water can lead to a misunderstanding, you know, of how water is transferred through products, trades, supply chain, you know, or different economic actions, even though if it's small or large. I want to ask you something. Would you like to explain to us what this narrative was before you guys started this project?
2: Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much for for that introduction. As you have um, mentioned there are many processes taking place that have water as the mediator, right? So when you're producing food, you're absolutely using water for food production. You can use water for energy, you can use water for so many different purposes. So this means that water is circulating not only naturally through the rivers or the watershed, but also relying on the activities, economic activities, social activities, leisure, et cetera, that that rely on on water. So generally, when when we talk about water management, uh, despite all of these processes and complexities, we usually adopt the watershed or river basin um, as the unit of analysis. And we know that some frameworks are widely adopted. Uh, I'll give one example, but there are many others. Um, integrated water resources management, for instance, is uh, very well known uh, worldwide. is also applied for for the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and it tries to encompass these um, biophysical, societal processes. And we all apply it when uh, when we're uh, doing water management. However, it's um, all of those frameworks try to encompass some of those connections, but not uh, entirely because it's uh, it's a complex topic. And this is when we we came to study more. What does that mean? And there is a terminology used for that, uh, which is um, teleconnections. And I can go into more detail about it, but just to to give you the context. Um, just in a nutshell, uh, water management is complex. There are many frameworks available. One of them, as I mentioned, is integrated water resources mani- ma- management, but you have water, energy, food nexus, uh, and so many other uh, frameworks. And uh, within the Water Beyond Boundaries initiative, we're exploring it, but through the teleconnections lens. So happy to.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's, a great, it's, it's a great initiative that I read all plenty of articles about water beyond boundaries, and, and I found it fascinating and connecting many things, as you mentioned, in this case, teleconnections. Vishal? Yes, uh,
1: Claudia, I thought
0: that our listeners would get um, a much more concrete idea
1: of uh, teleconnections in water management, in water resource use, uh, by going through your case study on Colombian coffee. So I was wondering if you could give us, uh, you know, just um, the broad outlines of coffee production, export from Colombia, how important coffee is, how it's grown, and then, you know, describe the teleconnections.
2: So let's, let's use coffee as, uh, as an example. When we, think, when we think of coffee, we're thinking of an agriculture activity. And one of the processes that is connected to coffee is trade. Right? so you have the supply nodes for instance the departments uh, across Colombia and you have the demand nodes which could be where you are exporting your coffee to so beyond the national boundaries or it could even be nationally right so one department exporting coffee to to another department that's consuming that coffee the term teleconnections here wh- wh- what does it tell us that it's not just Place where you have the economic activities, not just the place where you're producing coffee. It's the process that connects, for instance, the supply node to the demand node. And that means the regions that are receiving this coffee or buyers that are receiving this coffee have not necessarily, does not picture necessarily the amount of water that has been used for, for that coffee. So I'll give you an example in Colombia in the river basin that we are we're working with which is the Magdalena Cauca river basin it's the it's the biggest one here in Colombia so as you may imagine Colombia as a country internationally is the third producer third coffee producer in the world follow uh, Brazil Vietnam Colombia so the amount of coffee that's going throughout the world is massive so you already have the international trade network taking place there and then when you look more more nationally you can go obviously to a more local level so for instance the coffee producing region in in Colombia where most of the coffee will be produced and exported to, to other regions and in our case study in the in the Magdalena Cauca river basin we selected a smaller uh, watershed within this, this river basin, which is called the Campo Alegre River Basin. And I'll just give you some numbers, maybe that, that will help our, uh, our listeners too. In the Campo Alegre River Basin, 24% of its area corresponds to coffee plantation. It can also be considered a water-intensive activity. So, for instance, for each kilogram of dry parchment coffee, you would require 40 liters of water. 2019 alone, Campo Alegre watershed produced 15,000 tons of coffee. This also like traditional and organic production. So, so both of them. And then the question that we have is where does the coffee go? Right? So does that stay within the boundaries of the Campo Alegre watershed in in our uh, Colombia case study? The answer is no. So the Campo Alegre watershed is located within the department of Risaralda, mostly located in that department.
0: Exactly. Yes. I read about
2: that. You did.
0: I read about Risaralda. I will add after, but keep going. It's so so good. Very interesting. The numbers are so uh, amazing.
2: It's really big, right? So when you when you put that, um, so if you think of the department of uh, Risaralda in this case. Out of the forty-seven thousand tons of coffee produced, only five point three percent was consumed in, in Colombia, and the remainder of that was uh, consumed internationally and um, within the exporters, the countries where it was exported. The United States was the main destination, uh, with the with forty point nine percent of of those exports. Yeah, so some numbers there to to get us started with what teleconnections mean. And interestingly, this term, teleconnections, actually come from uh, the climate studies. Because when we think of climate, it's obvious that it it does not respect any boundary. But it gets a bit tricky when we think of economic processes, because sometimes we don't uh, connect those uh, beyond boundaries connections.
0: Yeah, Claudia, I would like to add that. You know, and reinforce what you mentioned that here in the United States, just United States, consume almost 42 percent of the coffee produced in Colombia, which require a multi-scale approach to the activities, right?
2: Yes, exactly. And uh, so there are there are some water frameworks that tackle that as well. One of them is the virtual water, which will consider the amount of water necessary for that particular commodity or product. But when we talk about the, the teleconnections, it's not just about the amount of water, but also the pressure it may have or the impact it may have on your system, on your water system, on your ecosystem. So you can analyze it through, through different lens as well.
1: Ah, I see. So the virtual water framework does not necessarily give you the impact at the local level that sci's work is is focusing on
2: exactly exactly Got it. Okay. so so yeah so there are uh let's say that even with, with definitions it's obviously you can define it in different ways but you can also analyze it within uh, different methods so that's so that's what we're we're doing so that's what we're working right now on how can we actually measure it right
0: and Claudia, and what, what sectors are involved in this process? Oh, obviously, a big non-profit like a Stokhole Environment Institute, agricultural sector, commerce sector as well. Is there is anything that you would like to add or is there anything another trade companies that are involved in all this process?
2: We're not working directly with, with the traders, for instance, because we're focusing on the management processes itself, right? So the connection with the public policy, the connection with water governance instruments. And we're, besides, obviously, besides analyzing the the sector itself, um, we're much more concerned about how the current instruments for water management are capturing that teleconnections. Are they actually including them or, or not? So for instance, if I see that a coffee producer is located in a different watershed than the one I'm working with. Does the current watershed plan talk to that person, talk to that producer? So we're also looking at the participation challenges there, right? And uh, currently here in Colombia, we're also working with the Ministry of Environment and Sustainable Development. And Colombia is currently undergoing revision process of its national water resources policy. So that would be a very important stakeholder with whom we're working as well.
1: Thanks, Claudia. I was uh, wondering about that uh, last point, is that just thinking ahead, given that you spent so much time on it already, how do you think, can you give us some ideas on how kind of revealing these teleconnections and their impacts locally, connecting producers to consumers, uh, following the supply chain, how do you imagine it could be used in, say, uh, you know, more progressive future national water planning, given the fact that the global, global economy is, is a juggernaut. So can you just share with us your thoughts on it, even if they're speculative at this stage?
2: Yes, so actually one of our analysis was to to understand the cumulative impact of coffee production across the, the river basin, the Magdalena-Calca river basin, to give a more concrete example. And when we were actually plotting the maps, seeing where coffee is produced, we realized that up north in the Caribbean, because this this uh, river basin go, uh, goes up until the, the Caribbean or the Atlantic, we realized that there were no coffee there was no coffee production so you would see municipalities with zero hectares and obviously when you would go more down south or in the coffee region you would obviously see huge numbers of hectares of coffee produced per per municipality and when we ran this cumulative analysis to see the teleconnections right so across the river we noticed that even in regions where there was no coffee production we could see cumulative Impacts in the river passing through that area. That means that even though you wouldn't see that, just you would assume there is no production here, hence there is no impact. But we're talking about a system. So if producers upstream if there is an issue with water quality it will definitely be felt across the the river basin or if we think of another indicator such as evapotranspiration how much how much the coffee area requires from from that and how much the users downstream are being affected by that so i think this kind of connection is still missing because it's complex to measure right it's complex to attribute as well, right? But we know that there is a commutative impact across the river basin. So from the water management perspective, I think we could try to identify those points of pressure or points of balance in, in the river basin, and that might be an innovation as well for decision-making.
0: Claudia, speaking about decision-makers, I think it's related to planning, right? I saw your presentation the last year and about this topic during the World Water Week, and you mentioned planning. Would you mind to elaborate a little bit about that? Why planning is so important in this, uh, let's see, coffee area production, you know, in this coffee crops area?
2: Sure, and, and thank you for, for bringing that up. The planning process is important because it's also an opportunity for inclusive participation. So who are the stakeholders that could be joining this process? Who are the the water users? What are the pressures in our system? How are we going to meet the demands of a growing population? How are we going to ensure that given climate change, we're still ensuring food, energy, and so many other processes that rely on water? So from, from that perspective, the planning is very strategic and there is another component of it which is how can we ensure that those actions that we think enhance our water management as a whole how those actions can be implemented the coffee sector is obviously one of of those interested actors or or stakeholders in in the process and particularly here in, in colombia There is um, the Watershed Council, which will help these stakeholders to participate and to promote those dialogues to to this long-term vision. So, in short, a plan is very important to define where we are at today and where we would like to be tomorrow.
1: Yeah, um, thanks very much, Claudia. This type of work, Claudia, seems to be very place and commodity specific. So I was wondering, um, is the data easily available? Uh, what kind of data would you need to track all this? And it also, uh, sorry, a related thought I had was, uh, it seems like a classic case of the need for interdisciplinary cross-disciplinary teams of you know, resource um, scientists and economists and people uh, well-versed with supply chain work so it seems like a classic case of putting together a very interdisciplinary team.
2: It is. Actually, the work that we're doing can only be possible because of that. Uh, I would I would highlight because it is uh, interdisciplinary, because it involves different sectors and areas. Talking about data, yes, it is challenging because sometimes different departments or ministries or organizations have have an interest on, for instance, in this case, coffee production, and the databases do not necessarily talk to each other, right? So there there may be um, some some issues with updated data, or does the data fit in well with with the analysis that, that I want to do? So in our case, we relied on the data for coffee production, the area of coffee production, within each municipality of of Colombia. So that was a national database. It was publicly available. And we also had a WIP model, which WIP is the water evaluation and planning tool that we have with SCI that allows us for for the hydrological, uh, for the hydrology modeling. And we already had it at the time that we were performing this analysis. So, indeed, it is challenging in the first place to have a model, right, uh, for, for the area that you're interested in and whether or not your data is publicly available. And the other aspect that we did was a network analysis. So, basically, to see where coffee is flowing from and to in terms of um, the uh, amount of the volume of coffee produced. And that data we also got from a repository called uh, Resource Trades Earth. And, you know, the you can download the data, you can see uh, the flows. So, for instance, what I mentioned, like Colombia is the third country in the world for coffee production. So it really depends. I would say you can go as far as you want if you have the data, but indeed, uh, it can be a bit tricky.
0: Claudia, I would like to talk a little bit about these entities, you know, the government entities. You mentioned in your article, you mentioned in your, in your presentation, and... I think we shouldn't see the governments uh, or the government entities as a complicated institutions. I think we can see them as like we can work together, right? You mentioned social groups, group of representatives, members of the River Basin Council, and environmental authorities. How was your experience in this situation working with them or while you did your research, etc.? The voices of these stakeholders are included in the decision-making process?
2: I would say the first point is it's very beneficial that different user groups can participate in the process in the first place. I think that's already something to be maintained and enhanced, obviously. So ensuring participation is not simply saying, I attended the meeting, and then you have the numbers of attendees. That is a very simplistic metric. But also to measure how active is a participation, uh, although, obviously, you want to ensure that you have diversity in participation, you also have to ensure that people will engage and participate in the process. And then the question is, how do you do that? Firstly, access to information, right? So, how, you will only be comfortable to participate if you have access to that information beforehand. But the second point is, how can I interpret that information and and then if you are a, a coffee producer, you will you will be more familiarized with your day to day routine, what you need for to ensure uh, coffee production. But then in the same table, you have someone from the hydropower sector, right, who also has a different perspective on how water can be used. And this is why the River Basin Council is an important institution or an important participation place, because it may be the only time that they may be talking to each other, right? So I think having everyone in the room, uh, ensuring they have the information and ensuring that the information is easily digestible so that everyone can talk is one of the keys for inclusive uh, participation.
1: Yes, uh, Claudia, I was also thinking uh, your work reminded me of a few different things, um, and I'd like to share them. One is that it reminds me of the other SEI work that's going on on consumption-based versus production-based emissions, accounting, inventory, and attribution the The related uh, thought I had was how you were talking about teleconnections related to water, but if you can add on to the supply chain impacts, the energy consumed and the emissions attributions. Um, and then um, I was also thinking of my own work some twelve years ago when I was working on deforestation in southern India, and there was a remote teleconnection to coffee production globally there where uh, reduced uh, coffee production um, in places like Brazil led to more coffee demand from a neighboring coffee growing area close to where I was working in the forest. And that ended up driving uh, increased deforestation that year because the uh, manure from uh, livestock grazing in the forest uh, was being used for this coffee producing areas. So. That was a very interesting and fascinating aspect of teleconnections that I was reminded of. And then um, finally, I also wanted to, uh, this perhaps maybe is more of a question for, uh, for you, JC, is that, um, you know, what are the connections here to ESG? Because, you know, businesses and world markets um, drive a lot of these uh, local activities and ship products all over the world. And uh, ESG, environment, society, and governance framework and policies mostly coming out of the European Union. I think I don't hear about it much in the U.S. They could be a place to for driving this kind of work and making it integrate um, these aspects of sustainability into you know the policies of of big business.
0: Bishal, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, something that is very interesting about this, and fascinating about these metrics, uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance, they propose that uh, sectors, that the different sectors, have to work together to solve these challenges or issues, right, that we having, we are facing right now. And we must focus on the long term and focus on the stakeholders. If you think about it, in the end, the stakeholders are all of us, right? So I remember a few months ago, I shared uh, with Marisa Escobar an article uh, from Barron's. And this article mentioned, among others, very interesting things, the importance that companies from different industries should give to water. Sectors such as agriculture, that you just were talking right now about coffee, for example, the clothing industry, with demand a lot of consumption of water and even the microchip factories the technology for example they are focused right now in how important how reduce the consumption their consumption of water I, I think my take on this and
1: uh, I just came back from India um, in March and ESG is is quite big there it's falling. there is actually a policy on ESGs and before that it builds on policies on CSR which is corporate social responsibility and so it's an opportunity to go beyond water. You know, this our water beyond borders is the name of the initiative, but it's it's you know resources beyond just water uh, is how I see what's going on in the, in that world.
2: Yes, uh, I agree, and thank you for for bringing that up um, because obviously I, I have been talking about f- more from a planning perspective. But you can also go to the other end, to the consumer uh, perspective, and the responsibility that consumers and producers have uh, with with our environmental resources, with how we we use water. Uh, how can we better produce food with with the available resources that that we have? So I I agree. It's an opportunity for for connecting different partners to come up with with innovations, right? Because I think there is room for that and there is an opportunity for that right now, especially given our interconnected society, I would say, that's needed.
1: And what I'm really interested in is that one of SEI's role uh, beyond the, uh, or rather in addition to the fantastic work that Claudia shared, is that SEI is a perfect convener of uh, it's, it it plays a very important role in convening and bringing people together. And so I would personally like us to to engage with this framework much more. And JC, I don't know if uh, perhaps you know more about this in the U.S. I don't hear much in the U.S. about ESG. Is that just because of the sector I'm in or is it very
0: active? Yes, Vishal. Yes, United States have a strong presence. But however, in my opinion, for example, Europe is leading the... The movement about ESG and other countries are working very well, like India, as you mentioned, Singapore or Thailand, Australia, New Zealand are working very well in this in these metrics. And another thing that the metrics propose, how technology will help us in these situations. And one in Stockholm, Environment Institute, however, we have a new tool that. I would like to ask to Claudia what is her opinion uh, because it's related to to teleconnections. It's about Trace Earth. It is
2: related actually, and also well. If you go to to the Trace um, Earth uh, website, for instance, you can map an entire supply chain. So if you're interested, if you're interested in coffee, as we mentioned, you can actually track back all those connections that that I mentioned in terms of where uh, it's it's going. Too, but also they they're more focused on on the traders as well, right? So from more from the from the consumer perspective, and we're actually working together. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, we're starting to engage more with with our colleagues uh, at the Trace Initiative because they've just launched the Trace H two O. Uh, branch let's put it like that and they will be focusing on water specifically and since we're also focusing on water and we're looking at those teleconnections we've teamed up so there's great things coming up and we we hope to be sharing some more soon.
0: Before wrapping up I would like to share something with you guys. Yesterday so I, I finished a book uh, it's about ESG and the name of the book is Net positive. I mentioned something very interesting. We cannot tackle global challenges, such as climate change, food security, water scarcity, and pandemics like COVID-19 by working one company or sector at a time. These issues know no boundaries and require unparalleled and collective action to solve. In my opinion, pretty much involves everything about water beyond boundaries. Also, Claudia, is there anything that uh, you would like to add to this conversation? We,
2: we are so connected and, and I totally agree with you. It's an opportunity to think of water and think of climate, as Vishal was, was mentioning. Let's keep an eye on those, on those standard connections and how it affects us as individuals as well.
1: Vishal. No, I just want to thank Claudia. And of course, in these times with the with the wars in multiple places, including Ukraine, uh, let's not forget teleconnections are all over us in terms of food prices, inflation and gas prices and so on. So you know, it's all over. Like every time you buy something on Amazon, teleconnections are the way of the world. So it's, it's really nice for um, the team in Colombia and Claudia to be shining a light on it in the water world.
0: Exactly. Claudia, I would like to say thank you for your time. Thank you
2: so much. It's great to be here with you guys.
0: Vishal. Likewise. Thank you so much, everyone. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Alexa, and stay tuned for our next episode.